Good evening, everybody. And I wanted to thank David from Sinai Radio for having me on tonight. So let's talk about me. Let's answer some questions. I have seven topics to talk about, and I am really excited. So my name is Sylvia, and I am a private chef and blogger, and I'm based out of Brooklyn. And basically, I do anything that is food-related. So I started off about four years ago blogging and cooking, and it's grown a little bit. And tonight's topics are summer meal prep and lots of summer menus and planning and meal prep. So if you have anything specifically summer-related, I would love to hear your questions, and I would be glad to answer them. So first, I want to talk a little bit about the food that I prepare. So I like to stick with simple, family-friendly food that's on the healthier side. So a lot of whole grains, a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits. Basically, anything that I call for in my recipes can be found in your local supermarket, your local kosher supermarket, Amazon. I'm not one for sending people on crazy searches for ingredients. So even if you've never heard of it before, you will most likely be able to find it wherever you are. And I am always reachable on Instagram or by email for questions. So my Instagram is at Sylvia Fallis, spelled exactly like my name. My email is sylvia.fallis at gmail.com. And that's the best way to find me. And I always tell people if you don't hear from me, it means I didn't say it. So try again. So we have one caller but we're going to wait about 10 seconds because I just want to talk a little bit about summer meals. Everybody's working. Everybody's in camp. It's 100 degrees out, and we still need to put food on the table. And I was listening to a podcast recently where the hostess was talking about summer snacking, and it's like the endless bin of snacks, and it never ends, and everyone's always hungry and what is it about the heat that makes everybody hungry and they just eat, 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 eat. So kind of wanted to discuss a little bit about that tonight. But first, let's take our first caller. Let's see if we can do this. Okay, are we ready? Hello? Hello? Hi. Okay, so first caller, do you want to say your name? Hi, my name is Kate. And what's your question, Kate? So I'm a vegetarian, and I find it difficult to, like, prepare vegetarian proteins like tofu and tempeh and seitan. What do you think is the best way to prepare vegetarian proteins? So that's a really, really good question. So one, one second. Okay. So... Vegetarian proteins are really interesting, but a lot of people often look at them and buy them, and they sit in the fridge for a few months until they expire, and then they end up in the trash, and then the cycle begins again. Buy, store, trash. So there are a few different types of vegetarian proteins, and we will go over a couple of them. So first, there is tofu, which is soy-based, and it comes in a brick. And tofu is probably the simplest, the cheapest, and the most versatile vegetarian protein to prepare. If you're going to bake it or saute it or stir fry it, you want firm or extra firm tofu. 
Some people find that the organic tofu tastes better. Some people don't care. I don't care. I buy whatever is the most reasonably priced. I personally like the extra firm. So tofu is packed in water. So it's really important to get the water out of the tofu so that whatever you marinate it in can soak into the tofu. So you're going to take it out of the water and you're going to wrap it in paper towels and you're going to put it on a plate or a cutting board and you're going to put something heavy on top, like a frying pan or a can of tomatoes. And you're going to let it sit on the counter for an hour. If you want to let it sit for longer, put it in the fridge. And then you're going to cut it into pieces, either sticks or boards or cutlets or cubes or whatever. And then you're going to marinate it. So tofu will soak up any flavor that you put on it. So teriyaki sauce is really good. A simple sesame ginger marinade. I like a lemon mustard marinade. So any chicken steak fish marinade is really good on tofu. And then the simplest way to prepare it is to put it on a parchment-lined baking sheet at 400 degrees and bake it. And you'll have basic cubes that you can toss into any salad or green salad or basically any dish. You can also stir-fry it or saute it. That's a little bit more complicated. So we'll move on to seitan. So seitan is also referred to as wheat meat. And it's basically strips of like this brown chewy protein that is flavored to taste like chicken or steak. I don't see the difference in taste, so whatever you like. You can also buy it in cutlet form or in a seitan roast, and that works really good in stir fries. So you could make like a chicken and broccoli recipe using seitan or a lo mein recipe using seitan. Seitan is made of wheat, so that's a thousand percent not gluten-free, and it literally is wheat protein, so you cannot make it gluten-free. Then the third one, which is the most interesting one, is tempeh. It's a rectangle sort of cake that's made of fermented soy, grain, or rice. And it looks kind of crumbly. And seitan, plain, is nasty. It's disgusting. It needs to be cooked, and it needs to be steamed before it's cooked. So you take your brick of seitan, and you cut it into strips or cubes, and you put it in a steamer basket over boiling water for two to five minutes, depending on the size of the pieces. Then you take it out and then you marinate it or you bake it in some type of sauce. You can also steam it in an inch of water in the microwave. And basically what the steaming does is it takes out all of the bitter qualities of the seitan. So once you've steamed it, my favorite marinade is equal parts Dijon mustard, honey, olive oil, a little bit of salt, a little bit of smoked paprika, and a little bit of pepper. And I like it baked. You can also, oops, tempeh. So you can also saute your tempeh in crumbles or you can stir fry it. I find that the stir frying the tempeh makes it a little bit heavy tasting, so I prefer it baked. So let's see. Do you have any other questions about tempeh? I think that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Okay. So while we wait for our next callers, let's talk about outsourcing. So I get a lot of questions from clients and from friends. How do I get everything done at once? And I always say something needs to be outsourced. You can't do it all yourself. You can't do it all yourself for one meal. So outsource it. Write a list. What's the thing you hate to do the most? Shopping? Fine. Instacart. Don't shop. 
Chopping onions, fine, buy them pre-chopped. Cleaning chicken, fine, buy it pre-cut. So once you take out the step of the actual doing what you don't like to do and you outsource that, it'll be much, much simpler to actually get cooking and get moving in the kitchen. So let's take another phone call. Here we go. Hello. And we lost our caller. Let's try that again. Hello? And we lost our caller. Sorry. Okay. So let's move back to outsourcing. So I always tell people that time is money. So if you're spending all that time preparing something that you really don't want to do, you may not get to something that you really need to do. So it may be worth extra dollar per pound to buy the clean chicken cutlets rather than save a few dollars and spend two hours cleaning them. So let's get our caller back. Hello? Okay. Let's try that again. Let's see. Our caller is stuck. Let's try that again. Let's try that again, but while we try it again, let's talk about cutting costs a little bit. So I often get a lot of questions about how to make dinner for a lot of people at a lower price point. So there's two things that are really big here, and the main one is to shop cheaper. So Discount grocery stores like Aldi and Lidl are really great options. Aldi is basically a European super cheap grocery chain. And their whole shtick is they have very few employees. So it's not customer service based. And everything in the store is stacked up on pallets, not necessarily shelves. Think Costco on smaller scale. And everything is their brand. And it's super, super cheap. So remember your quarter because you need a quarter to get a shopping cart, and then when you're done shopping, you can put the cart back and get your quarter back. So the biggest thing that I buy there is baking supplies. Five pounds of flour for $1.29, five pounds of sugar, baking soda, baking powder, milk, all that stuff is super, super cheap. Every week their flyer features produce. So one thing about Aldi is the produce is not always so great but whatever is on sale is guaranteed to be really good. They also publish their weekly ad on Thursdays or Fridays for the following week, so you can plan your menu based on what's on sale. They're also really good for like snacky type things that you wouldn't necessarily buy elsewhere, like mini bags of chips, mini yogurts, those things. Another big thing that a lot of people don't realize is every major supermarket chain wants to get you in the door. Go to their store, not somebody else's store. So what do they do? They put out loss leaders. 
So let's say you're going to take the first page of the shop right circular. What's on that page? Mostly loss leaders. Those are the things that they want you to come in and buy and they lose money on, but they, then they get your two feet in the door to buy all the other things that are not on sale. So when I write my list, I always start with the loss leaders and then I go aisle by aisle. So along with the loss leaders in the front of the store and on the end caps, they'll put things that are super expensive and not necessarily worth it to buy. So let's say you're buying a loss leader of ice cream. Near the ice cream, they'll have sprinkles, which are not worth it to buy. So always take a look at the loss leaders and see what is worth it from that list. So summer loss leaders would be ice cream, ices, ice cream cones, fresh vegetables like corn, seasonal berries, things like that, watermelons for $3.99. All that stuff is usually a loss leader. So those are really important. Another really interesting way to cut costs is to think about the way you serve, especially for a large crowd, and to sort of modify it to fit your budget. So barbecue is a really great way to cut your costs. So instead of serving a steak for everybody, buy a really big wooden cutting board, or my favorite is a slate tile from Home Depot, and make big sliced steaks and big racks of ribs, slice it up, present it really nicely on the board, and put it in the middle of the table. That way one steak could stretch to feed three or four people instead of everybody having their own. So that's a really interesting way to go. You can also do a board with chicken or salmon, and you're basically using less food to feed more people. So another really nice thing about boards is that it's not only made up of the protein. So you put all the condiments and the little side things along with it. So let's say you're doing a steak board, you can put like pretty crackers spreads next to it, mini pita breads. So it really stretches the amount of food and it also looks really pretty on the table. And since it's such a big rectangle board, it can go in the center of your table and you don't need a centerpiece like flowers. So let's talk about our next topic. So actually, let's stay on the topic of barbecuing. So when you're barbecuing for a crowd, most people only have one grill, two burners or three burners. So how are we going to make that work if we're making a barbecue for, let's say, 30 people? So first thing that is super, super important is disposables. But let's take a question, and then we will go back to that. Hello? Hello? Hi, thank you for calling. We just lost our question. Okay. We're not doing well tonight with the questions. Um, okay. So let's talk about disposables when it comes to a barbecue. Anything that is going on the grill should be in a disposable bag, pan, or tray. Once you start putting pyroxes inside, outside, up, down, it, everything gets messy and drippy. Keep a big garbage bag outside, and anything that gets marinated goes on the grill. The tray, the bag, the pan, whatever, goes in the trash. So that way you're not washing double. So I am not usually a big proponent of disposables, but when you're barbecuing for a really big crowd, it does make sense. Everything gets a label. Zucchini in 
a garlic marinade labeled with Sharpie. Steaks in my favorite soy sauce marinade, which I can share later, label. Chicken with coffee garlic rub, label. So let's say somebody takes over the grilling, they know what they're grilling. So another super important thing to talk about when we're barbecuing is something I call stacking prep. So whatever is first on the grill is first on the plate. So it doesn't make sense to grill burgers first if you need to eat a burger super hot straight off the grill. So your burger tray will go on the bottom. And then the item on the top is going to be your vegetables because those can be served at room temperature. So you're going to have vegetables on top, steak second, and then you'll have burgers and hot dogs on the bottom. So you'll start with your vegetables. You'll get them all on the grill. You'll get them all off the grill. And then you'll scrape your grill in between each category and then you'll keep going and let's give you guys the call number again let's find it let's find our call number so our call number is 319-527-4160 so if you have a question you can call on that number and I'll answer it so Let's continue with our barbecuing. So steaks go second because those need to rest. So you're going to put your steaks on the grill, take your steaks off the grill, put them on your wooden board, tent it with foil, and let it rest for a little bit. Then we'll do our hot dogs and hamburgers because those are the quickest, but those are also the items that need to be eaten right away. So another really interesting way to serve barbecue is kind of a make-it-yourself bar. So steaks and burgers and hot dogs are really typical, and steaks can really add up, and burgers and hot dogs are everywhere all the time. So I like to do something a little bit different, like a chicken or steak fajita bar, where you put out grilled peppers and onions and all different types of salsa and tortillas, which you can heat on the grill, and taco shells, it doesn't need to be traditional, just go along the Tex-Mex theme, and you can set it up inside or outside, and it becomes a really nice grilled party with minimal indoor prep, but it also is really cheap and unique and delicious. So you could do the same thing with a taco bar or a chili bar, and just move the party inside if it's raining or in the winter. So Another really unique topic that I like to discuss with my clients is planning ahead and prepping ahead. So before you run out the door in the morning, have something planned or prepped for dinner. So a lot of people think of their crock pot as a winter item, like for soups. But did you know that you can roast beets in your crock pot? You can roast sweet potatoes in your crock pot. So what you'd want to do for those, you could also make big potatoes in your crock pot. Scrub your vegetable, put it in the crock pot, put about an inch of water, sprinkle of salt, cover it, and leave for the day. And when you come back, you'll have beautifully roasted beets or whole sweet potatoes or whole baked potatoes. So that just kind of minimizes the step. Another interesting prep ahead thing is marinate whatever it is that you're going to cook in the morning and you always want to marinate anything 
that is a protein in the fridge. I also put my vegetables in the fridge. And I marinate everything in a Ziploc bag, in a baking dish, and I just pop it in the fridge. So that way, nothing will drip, nothing will spill, and that's it. About 20 minutes before I want to cook, I take it out, flip the bag over, make sure everything's all distributed, and then I use tongs or a grilling fork to get whatever it is out of the bag, zip up the bag, toss it, and there's no cleanup. So a couple of my favorite Ziploc bag marinades, which could be made in quart-sized containers and stored in the fridge, are a balsamic and garlic marinade for stick for steak or chicken. I also like to do a honey mustard marinade. So really, a lot of these ingredients are non-perishables or fridge items or pantry items, and they could all be like thrown together on a whim in the morning. So that's a big deal for me. And another thing for me is I like to pre-measure things that I know I'll cook later. So let's say I know I'm going to make rice or pasta at 6 o'clock. I like to pre-measure it, put it in a sealed container, and leave it on the counter. So that way when I get home, it just goes in the pot and it's ready to cook and I'm not fumbling with measuring cups and greens and whatever. So... Any other questions? Let's see. So let's skip ahead a little bit to dessert. So I know a lot of my friends and clients bake a lot during the winter, but in the summer they just don't have the time, the patience, the energy, the effort. So two of my favorites are fruit and fruit crumbles. So a huge platter of fresh watermelon is always very popular. And Fruit crumbles are really good because summer fruit is very inexpensive. It's readily available. Peaches, raspberries, strawberries, blueberries, nectarines, plums, figs. You can make a basic oatmeal or flour-based crumb topping and bake it off and you have dessert ready to go. So a lot of people tell me, I feel like I'm going to spend $5 on the watermelon, but half will be eaten and half will go in the trash. So what do I do with the other half? So a few ideas for leftover watermelon. You can make a watermelon feta and mint salad. And I have a recipe for that on my website, which is cookingformypeople.com. Another great idea is a watermelon juice. You can blend watermelon flesh, and you can strain it or leave it a little bit pulpy, and you can mix it with seltzer, Sprite, vodka, rum, you can make a cocktail, you can make a mocktail, you can blend basil or mint into it, and those are really good options. Another option is a watermelon gazpacho. So instead of a tomato-based chilled gazpacho-type soup, you use watermelon and basil instead, and that's really, really good. That'll stay in the fridge for a few days. Another really good watermelon item is a watermelon caprese salad. So instead of using just tomatoes and mozzarella, I use watermelon, peaches, mozzarella, and sometimes tomatoes. And you can make that in a big bowl on top of arugula or baby spinach or baby kale, or you can make little cubes and put it on skewers. And that's a really nice way to sort of get rid of that extra watermelon. And last but not least, little cubes of watermelon, freeze them on a baking tray and those can be ice cubes for your next glass of water or seltzer. So let's talk about salads. 
So salads in the summer are a love-hate type thing for me. I don't like anything that's been sitting out, anything that's like super heavy with dressing or mushy. So I'm a very big proponent of kale salads. Even though kale is more of a winter ingredient, I really like regular curly kale because it stands up to dressing, it stands up to flavor, it holds up at a barbecue or a party. And something that I also really enjoy making is a green salad. So farro, wheat berries, barley, Israeli couscous, regular couscous, all of those little greens can be prepared ahead of time stored in the fridge, and then tossed with hearty vegetables and fruit to make a salad that will stand up to being left out for a barbecue or a lunch or a maza. And a lot of questions that I get on Instagram is my greens come out super clumpy. And I always tell people that means you're cooking it wrong. You don't want to cook your greens like you cook rice where all the water is absorbed. You want to cook your greens like you're cooking pasta where you essentially drain off the green and the water and then you rinse it and they don't stick together. So you're going to take a really big pot of water and a handful of salt. If you stir it and taste that water, it should taste like the ocean and you're going to bring it to a boil. And when it comes to a boil, you will add your green. And depending on what you're cooking, it takes anywhere from 8 minutes to 30 minutes to cook. 